when I was graduating my Catholic grade school of Holy Family, I decided instead of playing basketball and volleyball that I was going to try out for the basketball and cross country team in high school. I had seen a cross country meet and thought, ah, I think I like what I'm seeing. They were running in the woods. They were running on grass. It was literally cross country in fields, etc. So I decide, you know, find out that it's a three and a half mile race. That's what they're running. And I'm like, okay, I graduate May of 1980 and I set out to begin training for my fall entry into St. Mary's High School where I would try out for the cross country team. Well, I set out and was going to run a mile because, again, I'd never run other than sprints and things like that in practice for basketball and volleyball and, you know, things at recess and kickball and the such. So I set out to run this mile (laughs) and I can't even make it a mile. I set out to run, you know, not knowing anything about training, right? I set out to run 3.1 miles. And I can't even make it around our mile-long neighborhood trek. I couldn't even make it a mile. So I'm discouraged, upset, and think, okay, well, I'm going to try tomorrow. So I try the next day, still can't make it a mile. I try the next day, still can't make it a mile. And I am frustrated because... You know, I try dribbling and shooting and I can do it. I'm fantastic at it. But this was a little more challenging. I was breathless. I was in pain. I didn't understand how to move my body efficiently. So I'm really upset and I go to my dad. I don't think I can do this. You know, I really want to run cross country. He's like, just keep trying, you know, just keep putting yourself. You can't do it all in one day. You know, he's using examples of, look, think about how many times you had to shoot a free throw in order to perfect that. Think of how many times you had to shoot a jump shot in order to perfect that. And I'm like, yeah, but I can't even run a mile and I've got to run three over three of them. So needless to say, it was a discouraging first few weeks. Well, as soon as I got to a mile, I decided, okay, I'm going to go beyond this mile. I had to, right? I had to get to the point where I could run 3.1 miles. So I keep practicing. I keep getting out and running every day. And little by little, I'm inching up beyond that mile and inching up beyond a mile and a half and inching up beyond two miles and inching up beyond. (laughs) So you know where this is headed. So I get to the point where I'm efficiently and feeling really good about running 3.1 miles. Now remember, May to late August is when our school's summers were. And I think even back then, it might have been September. So I'm, I get into August, right? And I, I'm running and I'm adding. Remember, I'm not, I don't stop adding. I keep adding. I keep feeling good. And I'm like, I can go longer. Oh, I can go longer. And I loved the long distance feel, right? I'm getting those endorphin releases. I'm getting that runner's high, even though I don't really know what that's called. I start reading about Bill Rogers and his marathoning days, and I'm like, okay, well, if he can run 26.2 miles, maybe I could run more than 3.1. So I continue, and I get better and better and longer and faster and timing myself. Now, what I don't know is that at the very beginning of the summer, I worked for a company called Truman Neurological Center, and I had done my senior in-service there, and I loved it so much, and they loved me so much that they hired me as a summer job before going into high school, I had kind of the later shift, like 2 to 10 p.m. And so I would get home at 10 p.m. and I would go running because it was cooler. 
I didn't want to run during the day because it was so hot. So I would run after after 10 p.m. in our neighborhood. Now back then, running in our neighborhood wasn't a problem, right? It's probably still not today, but running in a lot of neighborhoods are at 10 p.m. Well, even though it wasn't a problem and wasn't unsafe or scary, I didn't know, but my dad would most nights ride his bike behind me the entire time. Now, remember, early on in this endeavor, I was not able to run a mile. So I would get frustrated, run the mile, and then he turn, he would turn back and just watch me walk all dejected home. Well, I don't think he kept that up for the entire summer. I honestly don't remember, but doubtful. I was so confident and doing so well, so much so that we were going on our family vacation to the mountains, to the Colorado Rockies, and I know that running in altitude is a different type of running. But I'm such an avid runner at this point in early August that I call my cross-country coach and say, hey coach, my name's Janae Arthur. I'm going to be trying out for the team as a freshman, you know, in a few weeks. I'm headed with my family on a vacation to Colorado and want to know how I need to train in the mountains to keep up my running. We're going to be gone for 10 days. And he's like, oh, okay, well, nice to meet you. Um, How far are you running now? And I said, oh, I run eight miles every day. And I hear this like silence on the other end of the line. And he's like, you do what? And I said, I run about eight miles every day, except for Saturday and Sunday. And he's like, well, don't worry about running while you're in the mountains. Um, Just go have a great vacation with your family and I'll see you at tryout. So I'm like, okay, well, he says, but if you really want to run, he said, just cut it in half because you're going to feel it in your lungs. You're going to feel the weight of the altitude. He said, just run as much as you feel comfortable running. So I'm like, okay, thanks. See you at tryouts. Well, he was, as you can imagine, flabbergasted, as are most people that hear this story. To me, it was just an evolution. I was just inching up longer and longer. Every mile that I ran or every distance I ran, I'd push it up another half mile or quarter of a mile if I couldn't, you know, or sometimes even longer, right? I would just go as long as I could possibly run and feel good about it. Well, again, at the end of that summer, I was running eight miles five days a week. So I get to tryouts, I try out, and on the speed trial, I'm the fastest one on the team. Now, this was obviously a great advantage. A freshman coming in, this is already a team primed for state, and Coach Bates has this freshman that's kicking everybody's ass. Well, he decides that that's a good thing to motivate people by. Sophomores and juniors, he would constantly say things like, oh, you're going to let this freshman beat you? So that motivated them to move faster, (laughs) to run faster, and to beat me because Coach Bates didn't want them to be overshadowed by me. Not really sure that was the best thing to do as far as me making friends on my cross-country team, but that's the way that he motivated everyone. So I can honestly say at the onset of my freshman year, I had a few enemies, and I wouldn't say enemies, but they weren't liking me very much. They were not feeling good about me being upended by this little friend. But good news is I became really good friends with both of the people that I was being pitted against to run faster. So anyway, long story short, this is about fortitude, keeping at something despite how horrible I was at the beginning of it. Now, I want to say that also to some of my more technical editing, design, audio skill. Like if you listen to my earliest versions of Daughter Father Dance, excuse me, which was my first learning curve of podcasting, they're pretty horrible. I mean, honestly, if somebody were to like listen back to the archives of all of my work, they'd be like, oh, well, she's not very good. Now, I'm not saying I'm great now, but I'm better. 
right? And I'll stick to something until I will master it. That's my real claim to fame because I am not super skilled in all kinds of different ways. And I'm not really even, despite the fact that people think I have an incredibly high IQ, I'm not really that smart either. I just figure it out. I figure it out and then stick with it. That's my basic formula for success is I don't know how to do it. I have the tenacity to stay focused on something until I figure it out. Then I do it over and over again enough to learn it and become good at it. I don't believe necessarily in what's his names. You have to be 10,000 hours to be an expert. Not really sure the science holds up there. And I know a personal experience doesn't hold up there. I don't think there's a set amount of hours you have to fulfill in order to be an expert. But I do believe that one must stick at something. And that's something I'm able to do. So fortitude, it's a gift. It's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> As is anything. Okay. Yeah. It's one on one shot, now the future before it's gone.